Alrighty guys, welcome back to another episode of the AWPT podcast. I have a very, very special guest on with me today. Her name is Lauren Tickner and she is the owner of Impact School. And I have actually been working with Impact School over the last six months and they have absolutely helped me so much with building my business and building AWPT to where it needs to be. So this is going to be a really valuable episode. We're going to talk to Lauren about how she started Impact School and why she started it and also get some really awesome tips to help you guys build your PT and coaching businesses because that's actually where you started. Is that correct, Lauren? Yeah, that's right. So I started out always as as an online personal trainer because I like to say that I'm the laziest, most productive person that you could possibly meet. I just don't really like leaving my place, right? And so I love this whole concept of being able to build a business straight from my laptop because one of the mistakes I think a lot of trainers make is that when they want to build eventually an online coaching business, they think I need to spend more time on the gym floor and I need to sharpen my skills on the gym floor, in person, and supporting people that way. But you're actually building two totally different skill sets. The skills of a personal trainer are so different than the skills of an online coach. Yes, you might learn some sales through being on the gym floor and building some confidence, but at the same time, there's always an opportunity cost. And so it's kind of like when people say to me, oh, well, you shouldn't have dropped out of university because you would have been learning things like becoming more independent and learning about people from different cultures. And then I'm just like, I traveled the world by myself for an entire year. I got those skills through doing something different. And so I really think that when I was starting out as an online coach, one of the most powerful things for me that I feel empowered me to grow and get thousands of clients all around the world and build a massive community was because I went straight online and I didn't spend time building a skill that I didn't necessarily need. And I think that's quite a controversial opinion in the space. But Honestly, it's true because when I was doing my PT certification when I was like 17 years old, there was people in the gym that were soccer players who, you know, you have to do that thing where you kind of partner up and you do some practical stuff and the person's watching you. The dude that I was partnered with didn't even know how to do a lunge and he got certified. And so that's why I think what you're doing is so bloody important. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy, but... You know, in, in all that training that we do, like we become masters of our craft. We become, you know, you know, we dig deep into, you know, the science behind anatomy and biomechanics and all this sort of stuff. But in our PT certifications, we are never taught how to market yourself, how to run a business, how to start a business, what you should value yourself at, you know, how to build a team around you and all that sort of stuff, which is so important because if you know all that stuff and we said we talked about this before like we've just recorded a podcast together for your podcast um which go over and (laughs) like little plug go over and listen to that one where lauren interviews me but you know with our own businesses it's like you know we don't know how to do all this stuff we're not taught it and you know i could sort of say the same thing about awpt as well like you know we as women are not even taught about you know, how our menstrual cycle works and what we need to do to keep that healthy and how important it actually is for health. 
Um, you know, another thing I'm diving deep into as well is the nervous system and how important your, your nervous system is for, you know, regulating your nervous system for, you know, relationships, for your health, for your mental health, like all these types of things as well. And I think as coaches and as personal trainers, you know, we're not taught like how to build a business, how to run it, um, you know, how to market yourself and, and what to value yourself at as well. And so, again, that's why it's so important to reach out to people who have actually done that. Like we were speaking before on on Lauren's podcast about how there are so many business coaches out there at the moment that don't actually have a business, right? And Lauren runs a multi-million dollar business now. And so she has serviced hundreds or thousands of, of students and coaches. And so she's actually done it. And now, you know, you guys can see sort of proof in the pudding with what AWPT is doing is like how important it actually is to reach out to people who have done what you kind of want to do as well. And so, Lauren, what do you think is, you know, one of the most important things when you went from, you know, starting your your fitness business, what are the biggest, let's go with like the biggest mistakes and biggest lessons you learned from that and then how that has helped build impact school to where it is going to be today. I, I could tell already this is going to be an awesome story. I mean, do you have like 10 hours or, <laughs> or maybe even an entire week? <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we could talk about this stuff forever. This is hilarious. So I really properly started my online fitness coaching business when I was working at an asset management firm. And so they gave us desks, which you could make them a standing desk or a sitting desk. And so naturally, everyone would start their day pretty much standing for like the first hour of the day. And then slowly, my whole team around me eventually just started sitting And I had this strategy where I started my day sitting and then when everyone else sat down, I would stand up because then they they couldn't see my screen. (laughs) And so the entire day I would spend reading like T Nation. I would go through like all of the 3DMJ stuff. I'd be reading all of these different articles from, oh gosh, I can't even remember all of them now. Like... Brett Contreras and he, before he was big by the way and just all these guys I was bodybuilding.com oh yeah that was like at the very beginning and then I slowly shifted away from that and I went more into the evidence-based stuff and I just got obsessed obsessed and I was finding myself even logging in to one of my friends university portals to be able to read all of these studies, right? And I was just nerding out like crazy and making all these notes on Google Docs and I still have all of my notes. It's so funny to look back. And so at that moment, I then realized, oh, well, I have so much knowledge, I don't have anyone to share it with. And that's when I really started taking all this stuff and turning it into understandable content for my audience. But the mistake that I made is that I was sharing stuff that was so, so deep and complicated that it wasn't resonating with them. So I started building this audience of a lot of fitness coaches. And I didn't realize at the time that that would be helpful now, because I never would have thought that I'd be doing what I do now, like eight years later. But that was actually helpful because all those people that were fitness coaches eventually then ended up now, a lot of them working with me at Impact School. But to the point of the fitness coaching business. So I was sharing such high level stuff that 
my ideal clients who ultimately were women who just wanted to become stronger both physically and mentally, they didn't really understand that. So that was the first mistake, was trying to be too smart. I wasn't doing it intentionally. It's just I was sharing content that I was interested in, not content that my client was interested in. It's two very different things. If you want to make content that you're interested in all the time, just realize that you might not be doing it to serve the purpose of growing your business. Instead, it's more of a self-indulgent thing. And so maybe that's where you can write an article for, you know, people like the state of the industry type of thing. It's just not necessary, right? And if you really want to grow your business so that you don't have to do what you're doing right now and get out of your day-to-day, then just suck it up for a bit and actually focus on the things that are going to bring in cash so that then you can scale, hire people to do the content to actually grow your business, and then you can focus on the higher-level things when you're actually hitting a consistent revenue. And then the second mistake that I made, oh my gosh. So after I quit my job, I then grew a following on Instagram and and my audience got quite big in the fitness space. So I was sponsored by Gymshark. I was working with companies like Reebok doing photo shoots with them and they were paying really, really well. And so I must say I got a bit too big for my boots. I stopped a lot of my high ticket coaching and I launched an ebook. And so I sold thousands of these ebooks, right? It was I think at the time 45 US dollars and then I eventually brought out a second one which was 55 US dollars. So I had the strength feed training guide and then I also had the ultimate guide to tracking macros. And so I did these big launches, sold thousands, made a few hundred grand and don't get me wrong that sounds like incredible and like a dream but for the rest of the time what I was forgetting that when people bought from me one time then what, right? A lot of these people that were my Mm. ideal clients for these low ticket products, they saved a lot of money to buy this ebook because a lot of them were like students and they'd rather spend their money going out or going for dinner with their friends or something than investing in their health. And then I sold all these ebooks and it was like a really numb feeling for me because Despite the fact that I was helping so many people, I didn't feel the impact because when you sell a product like that, you don't have the intimate connection with your client. And so now that's why a concept that I'm kind of coining, I guess, is scaling intimacy. I like to scale intimacy now. So how can I actually work with clients on an intimate level at scale? That's what I'm doing through building a team of coaches at Impact School now. And that's a mistake that I made back when I had Strength Feed that I didn't do that. And it was tough because then after I'd sold all these ebooks, then I tried to go back to coaching and people got really confused and they were like, well, what's the difference between this and that? And why should I pay this much money? And it, I, I, it actually damaged my brand, to be honest, because I was always going for this model of like, oh, I'm making this really affordable. I'm selling this thing like for cheap so that everyone can get it. And then eventually when I tried to do coaching again, people were like, oh, well, this is this looks so bad. You shouldn't be doing this. I thought you were trying to help people. And um, I let that really get me down. So I would say those were a couple of mistakes I made. But honestly, I just I didn't even treat it like a business because I didn't think about my future. I was just thinking about the present. And I was always thinking Mm. about my fitness rather than thinking about my business. And I was spending so much time training all the time. And if I'd put some of that energy into building a systematized business, then, oh my gosh, yeah, things would have been a lot better. So those were a few of the mistakes. There was many more. 
like taking on partnerships with people whereby they ended up taking half of my revenue because I thought, oh, well, they're going to help me build the graphic design and the website and everything, which was all stuff I didn't even need. And I could have paid someone like Mm. two bucks an hour to do if I'd done it offshore. And that would have been great money for them. So yeah, lots of mistakes, lots, but I'll pause for there for now. Yeah. No, some really amazing points. I've just been writing notes because I want to come back to some of these because like one of the first things you said was like keeping it simple and speaking to your ideal client in the way, like meet them where they're at at their level rather than speaking to them over the top of their head, using words that they don't even know. Like, you know, um, I just, I know and I see so many coaches who just speak in a language, like use the jargon, use the the terminology of, you know, like this anatomical term and this biomechanical term, which like if you're coaching coaches, like, yes, you can use a little bit of that, which I do. But, you know, if it's your client and they don't necessarily really care about like but the behind the scenes as a coach, like, you know, you need to know that stuff. But for them, they don't necessarily need to know. You just need to show them how they can achieve the results that they want kind of thing and so I think as well something that clients or something that I find that coaches as well do is they make the mistake of thinking that their ideal client is the person that comes to them that they find coming to them and so Uh they're like oh well like this is who I find comes to me this type of person but it's like well but who do you want to work with? Like, who do you find you resonate most with? And, you know, I've done my own little kind of like, I have my own little theory that that your idol client is literally like who you were when you needed you almost. 100%. Not in all 100%. cases, but yeah. And I feel like that's kind of where you are at the moment too. It's like you are the business coach that is helping, you know, you help obviously because you have that fitness background, you help a lot of personal trainers and you help a lot of coaches because you made those mistakes early on in your business and you don't want to see those coaches making those same mistakes. So I think, I think that was really cool and that was really important. Yeah. And another thing you said as well was like having that acquisition based business and not a retention based business. Like, there are a lot of coaches out there and the coaches listening to this, I don't think you guys are necessarily that type of coach where you are creating these short term challenges and programs that, yeah, you'll get that transformation for that client, like in the eight weeks or whatever, by putting them on low calories and, and giving them heaps of exercise. But is that going to be a long-term solution? Cause after that, what's the after effect of that? Like they're going to, again put on that weight back on and it's not going to be sustainable so then they're going to go and search for another coach that can actually help fix the damage that those coaches have actually made (sighs) you know that's the coach that I mean it's not the coach that you want to be because it shouldn't happen in the first place but I think now people are becoming more aware of this because there are more coaches who are, you know, wanting to help their clients long term and having that acquisition based business where you do provide a lot more value. And it is an investment. Like that's something that, you know, we find like, you know, you know, I've had to invest in my business coaching because I knew that's where I was lacking. Your clients, you know, health and fitness might not come naturally to them. So therefore they're going to need to invest 
uh, into their health if they want to get those results. Um, so I think, yeah, what you said about just, you know, providing like scaling intimacy, I, I absolutely love that. Can you like elaborate on that and, and the systems that you have in place to, to scale intimacy with your clients? hundred percent. I think one of the biggest thing is making every client feel like they're the only person in the world because when you have that type of intimate connection with them, then that's something that they're going to tell people about. Then they're actually going to get results. Then you're going to get great testimonials and you can use those testimonials to acquire more clients. They're also going to stay as a client as well and retain into the future. And so this then further helps you grow your business. But scaling intimacy goes way beyond that. Because it's also the concept of making sure that the values that you have as you begin to grow your team are rippled through everyone else that you bring onto your company. So one of the things that we do for everyone that works at Impact School is they go through a values-based onboarding and a vision-based onboarding. And then if they don't like the the values or the vision, and if they don't commit to holding themselves to those values, then they don't get the job. (laughs) It's as simple as that. And so we go through a very, very long hiring process. I won't get into that now because it might be kind of a bit beyond the the scope of, of what you know, uh, the audience needs, but it really comes down to hand Kayla. I've heard you use this word a few times is fulfillment. Okay. Because for me, two of my core, core, core values are freedom and fulfillment. Because going back to when I was doing the eBooks, this is actually in the the heyday of eBooks, right? So if you're trying to sell like just a a low ticket eBook now, honestly, it's just going to be a terrible idea. And I can't even I don't even need to bag myself on that because just, just, just please just, just take it from me because it's just like, oh my gosh. I've already been through this, it. This was the heyday. This was the heyday, right? When people were selling a lot of eBooks and I was like quite early in that. That's why I was able to sell so many. But now I just don't, I, I, I would even dread to think about the thought of trying to, to flog an eBook now because I, I just think that everyone's so used to it being free. Basically, that's what I'm trying to say. But so when I was selling all of those, I didn't have the fulfill- the fulfilling feeling of serving clients. And I think that that's something that a lot of times when you're burnt out from working with clients and you may be thinking, oh, but these clients won't stop messaging me and I feel like I'm constantly on calls and my Facebook group is dead and why is no one engaging with me? I hear this a lot and then that just comes down to you having the wrong systems, the wrong boundaries and the wrong structure. Because if you're being 100% accessible to your clients on WhatsApp and you're telling them in your marketing, oh, you're going to get 24-7 support from me. Well, firstly, that's inaccurate because if you, you don't stay awake for 24 hours, seven days of the week. So that's actually false marketing. So stop doing that unless you have a team all around the world. Like my team's over 10 different time zones. So that is true. But you might not have that. Okay. Um, and secondly, when they first come in, don't over promise and, and commit to things that you're not actually, that aren't true because then you're setting the wrong expectations. Because if you set honest expectations of people, then from the front end on the get go, you're then going to have a harmonious relationship. I would rather under promise and over deliver than commit to all this stuff and not be able to fulfill on that. Right. And so I think that that's just something that's, that's important. But going back to this, 
So scaling intimacy, it really is the nature of taking all the knowledge that's in your head and being able to turn that into frameworks so that then you can apply that at scale and make every client feel like they're getting their own unique experience rather than trying to constantly reinvent the wheel, right? And so that's why I believe in frameworks, I believe in systems, and I believe in the one-to-one connection that every client deserves to to ultimately have. A hundred percent because, you know, I think having that onboarding process like you spoke about before to to manage expectations of both client and themselves like client and coach it's going to help you with your reputation because you know if you again like say you're trying to service thousands thousands of clients with an ebook like that's your reputation on the line if they're not necessarily getting the results that they want and so having and setting and managing those expectations mm. is important because one, like the the client isn't going to get frustrated if they're not fulfilling their side of the agreement. I find that, you know, sometimes coaches really have trouble with keeping clients adherent to, you know, what they're meant to be doing and therefore they're not going to get the results. So if the client isn't keeping up their part of the bargain and they're not all right, so we just had a bit of technical difficulties there, but jumping back into it, we were talking about managing expectations between client and coach because if the client isn't upholding their part of the bargain, if they're like, you know, as a coach, you're a guide almost, like you are guiding them on their training, guiding them on their nutrition, but you can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So they need to be upholding their part of the bargain of like getting their sessions done, you know, getting their nutrition, like hitting their nutrition, whether it's macros, whether it's, you know, whatever they're doing uh, nutrition-wise, you know, making sure they're getting enough sleep, managing their own stress and things like that. You can guide them on that and you can educate them as a coach, but, um, you know, they need to uphold their part of the bargain. And so I loved what you said about uh, systems, boundaries, and what was the other thing? Can't remember now. (laughs) Technical difficulties made me forget. I just think like no one is just so intuitive to you. I just think like making sure that you have a framework to serve your clients, right? So you don't have to constantly reinvent the wheel. So another mistake that I made is that, oh gosh. Mm. So I remember this one guy came to me and bearing in mind, my passion has always been weight training. And back then it was all about tracking macros. And so this, and I haven't tracked Mm. macros now for years because like I just... I don't know. I just don't need to. Right. But anyways, so yeah, I had this guy come to me and he wanted to run a marathon. His name was Steve. I still remember him still friends on Facebook. He messages me on my birthday. I message him on his birthday. (laughs) Anyways, he comes to me and he's like, yeah, Lauren, I've been, he'd been following me and engaging with my content. So I kind of felt this like, Oh, I just really wanted to help him, you know? And so I, at that time, Mm -hmm. you would not find me running by the way, back then. Now, I kind of like running. It's okay. I mean, it's not, I don't love it, but it's kind of fine. So Hmm. he comes to me and um, I'm like, yeah, for sure. I can help you. Let's, let's get it. Like, let's get started. I gave him a special discount because he was a long time follower of mine. And um, yeah, so we get started and I just realized, oh, now I need to study how to prepare someone for a marathon. So I remember it was like a Sunday and I spent six hours studying this and it was kind of interesting, but I was, oh my gosh, this isn't necessarily something that I care about. 
I was thinking, I'm never really going to use this again because I don't really want to run a marathon and I don't really care about coaching people on how to do that. And so I ended up spending weeks and weeks and weeks trying to figure this out, trying to help him. He was like getting shin splints. I had no idea what to do because I had shin splints and I didn't know how to overcome that. And then I realized I was spending a disproportionate amount of time trying to help this one guy versus all my other clients. And then at that moment, I was just like, look, Steve, I'm sorry. I'm going to give you your money back. I am not the right person to help you with this. But I had wasted weeks, as in like hours and hours and hours worth of time just because I wanted to enroll this one client in working with me. And that was when I should have stuck to taking people to the outcome that I was best at taking them to. And I would have got way better results. I wouldn't have been killing myself. I was judging myself for not being able to figure this out. And I think, I see this a lot, especially in the fitness industry, is because we are interested in fitness, we think that we understand everything about fitness. But just because you are good at one thing in fitness, maybe it's bodybuilding, maybe it is helping people get rid of back pain, doesn't mean that you need to be good at everything else. In fact, I would argue that if you're good at that one thing, that's like a really bloody powerful thing to, to, to continue to serve people with. So Kayla, I mean, that's why I think what you're doing is so powerful because it's like you're literally helping people become the world's best at women's health. And women's health is an amazing field to be in, right? And so if a man comes to you and he wants coaching, just because he likes your stuff doesn't mean you need to take him on, right? You don't need to because even if you close that one client, the time that you spend trying to figure out how to work with him could have been time that you could have spent marketing yourself to get two more women in. Okay, so we see the short-term cash flow versus the long-term impact. You need to change your mindset to what is my vision? How do I want to serve the world? Because then when you stay true to that, you're going to change a lot more lives. So that's something that I'm very, very passionate about. Well, uh, just on that point, actually, we do serve male coaches because I think that for male coaches, it is really important for them to know about women's health because if they're training females, but... That example is 100% true for someone who who isn't a coach, right? Like if somebody yeah. comes to me for coaching and they're like gen pop and I have to teach them how to track macros and I have to teach them how to train and how to do a deadlift kind of thing, like that's not where my passion is. My passion is going to the coach to actually, you know, make sure that they're servicing their clients in the best way that they possibly can. But Totally. totally get um, the example that you're, you're trying to trying to um, put out there. Um, and so I guess after that, like, where did you, where did you put your, like all your time and effort and energy into once you sort of thought like, you know, this isn't working with Steve and, and you decided to go like step away from, from fitness and then back into business. Well, Steve was actually my really early days, like my really early days before I kind of sold all these ebooks and stuff. So just going back to your point real quick, though. So, no, I totally agree, by the way. I think, like, I'm sure you have many male coaches, actually, because I think, like, a lot of male coaches serve women. Funnily enough, that's how I met my ex, like, years and years ago, because he saw one of my posts, or actually, he shared one of my podcasts where... I was talking about women's health because he coaches women, right, in, in fitness. And so, like, he's mm. he's one of the best coaches I've ever – like, we're, you know, he is one of the best coaches. Seriously, he's amazing. Really helping uh, many, like, women going through menopause. And so that was also something that I think is, is powerful too. But just going back to this, 
yeah, so what ended up happening was all these companies like Gymshark and everything started getting going more mainstream. So I got dropped by Gymshark and so did literally all of my friends. Some of them have millions of followers, like way more followers than I had had. But they saw that I was still traveling and stuff. And they were asking me like, hey, Lauren, how are you still traveling? How are you still, you know, what's all this stuff that you keep sharing? Because I was sharing about these free challenges that I was doing. And they were asking me, I want to run a free challenge. I want to get my community engaged. And they were just thinking about it so that they could get more subscribers on YouTube. Well, I was thinking about it. I wanted to run these free challenges so that I would get more clients. And so I kind of told them, I was like, oh, well, I don't run the free challenges just to make a bit of money and sell the challenge. I give the challenge away for free. I let people buy a VIP option if they want the VIP option, because then that brings in a bit of cash. And I know that these are the clients that I should focus on really, really getting on phone calls so that I can actually enroll them in my coaching. And so then I told them about it and I helped them and I essentially gave them these templates of funnels that I had and they started because I was like oh well I can make affiliate revenue if I if I give them the the share funnel that's all I was thinking then and um because I'd already built the whole thing and they Mm. started doing it and some of these guys were making six figures in their first launch and so because they had massive followings and they were like oh my gosh Lauren thank you so much and then this is back when people were using snapchat they were sharing it on their stories like on, on whatever their Snapchat... Is it called a story on Snapchat? I don't even remember now. But they were putting it on their Snapchat daily thing. I have no idea. And, yeah, I don't remember. But they were they were talking about it. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah. So, like, Lauren's been helping me with this. And I had so many personal trainers come to me asking me, well, Lauren, how do I build a, a, a social media audience? Because people were thinking that I was helping just with the social media stuff because I was helping them with the social media strategy. So I was like, oh, my gosh. I have all these people coming to me and they want to learn how to build a personal brand. So so I thought, okay, brilliant. I'd seen this one guy selling a course about personal branding and I had a bigger following than him. So I was like literally not even thinking in any sense like a business person. I was like, okay, well, I can teach teach a personal branding course. So I built this personal branding course and I launched it and then... That happened and I realized everyone signing up for it were only signing up for it because I was surveying them, right? Surveying your audience is so powerful because I never would have known that the reason why people were buying this personal branding course that I was selling was because they wanted to grow their online fitness coaching business and they wanted to actually get clients online. So I thought, oh my gosh, okay, so I've got personal branding course here. Well, let's make another course about how to build an online fitness coaching business. So I made that second course, so now I had two courses. And then I realized that all these people, well, loads of people were now coming to me, especially um, because they were seeing the the results that these online trainers were getting. I started getting other niches. So I built a course about how to build an online coaching business in any industry. So I had all these different things going on, and people were so confused about what the heck is this whole thing. And then when COVID struck, honestly, that's when I just eliminated everything and I just built one clear roadmap because we were getting so many people come to me. Mm. There were like financial advisors who were doing in-person workshops that wanted to move their business online. There were people that were doing like spiritual retreats that now needed to go online. There were people that had already really successful online coaching businesses that were now struggling because now the market was so saturated, as, as they would say, that they now needed our help in scaling their team. So we basically built two products mm-hmm. as it were, a, a, a front end one for people to get started and validate their offer and then a back end one for people to actually scale and start building that team. And so that's when everything just became really, really clear. So it kind of all happened 
in this sequential re- like iteration of everything because you always want to just know your ideal client better than anyone survey them ask them for why did you, you know feedback why did you join why did you get started with us what do you need help with next and um yeah that's how i was able to kind of simplify eliminate and clarify in order to scale that's amazing like that's you know a really it's funny how it kind of works how it kind of just all sort of flows and how all these things like take us to where like we are basically like when I first started um in like health and fitness like I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do exactly where I was going to go but it kind of just happened where like I fell into physio and I fell into like all these things and I fell into the the places that I worked at and then I fell into the next things and then you know now it's only really been since AWPT I really have that future vision like Mm. when you're just starting it's kind of like fumbling around in the dark a little bit and like you know kind of trying to guess but unless you have like yeah that like someone to to help you and to give you that pathway which is like what you've done for me create that vision of where you want to go then it really really helps um you know, basically just pave that path and create those systems, like you said, have that framework that is going to allow you to to scale your business and create that intimacy at scale as well. Because, you know, you could have like all these thousands and thousands of people buying off you once, but having, you know, a smaller group of clients who are invested in you, invested in, you know, your vision and where you're going is going to is going to help them, you know, long-term. It's going to have your clients stay with you in the long-term and off into the future. Mm. So I wanted to ask you, I guess, like as you, yeah, it all sounds like it happened real quick. Like you're quite young as well. And I, I don't mean that as in like, like an offensive way or anything, but you're definitely younger than me. And um, what's it been like, like being so young and being like this entrepreneur from such a young age, I guess, what things have you learned in terms of like mindset around business? And, you know, maybe it's in other areas as well. Like maybe we were speaking on your podcast about, you know, the balance or the not so much balance between relationships and health and, um, and having that business. What are some things that, you know, growing your business to such a large scale has um, has taught you? Yeah, so it's really funny because I was never one of these people who, like, had a lemonade stand as a kid or was ever really that entrepreneurial. My vision was always to go to corporate and climb my way up and become a fund manager and a CEO of an investment bank. That was my That was my goal. And so when I eventually got into that job, honestly, it was very disappointing because, yeah, it was like everything that I had ever dreamed of was a nightmare. And not what you expected. Yeah, like, honestly, I I really was, I was feeling so lost because I just didn't know what the hell I was going to do because I knew that I couldn't continue to live that way. But at the same time, there was like no other option for me. And so thank gosh for social media because I just had this Instagram fitness page, right? It was just literally for me to make friends with people. And um, that's the only reason why I started it. (laughs) And so 
I basically was working in London at this job and because I had like a small following, not big at all, but people knew I was in London, these PR companies started inviting me to events. And so I knew that some of the influencers that I was following at the time, they weren't even called influencers back then. They were called bloggers and they were called like TV stars, like TV celebs, right? They, they, they were not influencers. So I would like go to these events because some of these bloggers that I followed online were going to be there and I wanted to meet them. And so I was so excited and I would go after work and I was all by myself. I was wearing my suit and everyone was there and all their like nice Lululemon clothes and stuff. And I just remember being so afraid to talk to people, but I made this promise to myself at every event I would speak to three people. And so I just went up to people, started talking to them, learning more about them, what were they doing, and asking them questions about how they got to where they were. And some of these people were like bloggers that I genuinely, like it's so funny because loads of them are my clients now. It's so crazy. And they always told me, yeah, Lauren, you were always so brave going to those events. You were so young and everything. And it's just, it's really cool. But but going back to that, um, I think that just putting myself out there and getting uncomfortable was was really profound. So that was one thing. And I showed up at those events, even though I was terrified to go. And even though oftentimes I like snuck away from work early, um, I was like a terrible employee, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the, the boss was trying to like promote me when I was leaving. Like, I, I, I don't know why, honestly, I, I, I do not know why. But anyways, um, I guess I, I was putting on a, a good face. But so, so that was one thing. Yeah. The other thing was that like leveraging your current moment in time. I think that wherever you are in life right now, you can use it to your advantage. So I was young when I was starting. And so I used that to empower people to want to kind of take me under their wing. Now it's a bit different. So when I go to events now, only in the last year, I have actually realized a massive difference because I was like a young girl before. So all the men would kind of treat me like their daughter, whereas now they try and hit on me. And so it's really interesting seeing the difference. And so it's something that I've honestly had to get used to because I can't be like all cute and like friendly and like, you know, just whatever, like just, Mm. yeah, like I used to be able to. I can't do that now because these men think that I'm trying to flirt with them, which I'm not. And so that was a really interesting shift for me. Um, And I'd say like some other things that I have learned is like there is no such thing as work-life balance. It's absolutely finding a harmonious integration that works for you. And I've just realized that, like, for me, it's not even work because there is no such thing as work when you genuinely enjoy what you do. For sure, there are parts that I hate. There are parts that are stressful. There are parts that I don't even, that, that like, I can't even talk about that I've been through that people would be shocked by. But at the same time, you know, it's all part of it. And so I would say that, like, you know, the more successful you are, the more people will be trying to take you down for reasons that you don't even know why. Uh, maybe it's because they know that you have money or assets or whatever. These are other things that like people don't think about that are very, very true. And so like there are a lot of other things that come with... Um, and I, I, I don't even... You know, success is such an interesting word because I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. But it's all relative, right? Like compared to what? So... um. Yeah, I think I've probably become very, um, 
uh, conscious of how I, who I let in. I'm very untrusting. And that's something that I was never. And then I trusted mm. too easily and I got burnt so many times. So yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. And so it could be seen as a positive or a, or a weakness, but it's just something that I know that I have to be because when I try and become more trusting, then it always burns me. It always burns me. So yeah, those are a th- few things that I've learned. But to be honest, like I think that I'm just very grateful that I started so young because it's taught me a lot of stuff that would normally take like decades to learn. But I was learning so exponentially because people really did take me under their wing. Um, so it was great timing. Yeah, that's awesome. And going back to what you were saying about like putting yourself out there, I think like that is something that a lot of coaches, you know, in my experience when I'm talking to the coaches that go through our courses and things like that, putting themselves out there is one of the biggest things that they struggle with for fear of judgment on social media, for fear of backlash, uh, for fear of uh, not being good enough or you know, that, that idea that, you know, why would people choose them over another coach kind of thing? Mm, yeah. Is there anything that you can speak to with that in terms of like, you know, it is literally like you have to put yourself out there, but I guess how is the question of like, how did you do that? Ooh, so to be honest, for me, when I was first starting, I was posting just food. I was literally posting food. I wasn't even posting myself. So I was posting like healthy recipes and I was making these like healthy protein brownies and and things like that. Like I was, I was like straight up a food blogger, which is so funny. Yeah. And then eventually I started posting some like workouts or some photos from events or something, these PR events that I was going to. And, um, to be honest, you just have to think if I'm where I am right now in five years time, would I be satisfied with my life? And if the answer is no, mm, I love that one. If the answer is no, then you have to do something about it and just suck it up and just do it. <laughs> like, mm. honestly, what's the worst that's going to happen? Well, someone judges you. Yeah. Can you imagine being in sixth form in school, 18 years old, 17 years old, when you are at your most, like, what's the word? When you're your most sort of, uh, uh, like, um, susceptible to, to your peers judging you. Imagine walking into the sixth form yeah. center. And suddenly it goes quiet, right? All the hustle and bustle, the chatter, it goes quiet. Everyone puts their phones down to their side and then just turns to you and looks at you. And then I find out that they've all just been bitching about me because they were laughing at my Instagram. Like, imagine that feeling. I didn't show up in school for the next week. And so literally, who cares? Like, these people are sometimes now asking me if I can give them jobs, right? So like, whenever I go go back to to England and I I meet with all of them they expect me to pay for their drinks and their dinner and things no I'm not doing that I'm not doing that because do you not remember how you treated me back then right and so like I I just say that who cares who literally cares because if you're not going to be satisfied with your life in five years from now then you need to do something about it just do whatever it takes right and just as long as it's ethical and then um yeah you'll be so you'll be living a much better life I I can promise you that because those people that you're worried about are, are not going to buy with you. Like, they're not your clients. Like, if you're worried about other coaches judging you for the education you put out on Instagram, other coaches might not necessarily be 
your client. Like they're not going to buy for you and they're not going to be your client. So speak to your client, like we said before, like at the very start, speaking to your client and, you know, doing it for them and doing it for yourself and not necessarily doing it for anyone else, if that kind of makes sense. Feedback can be really powerful though. Like criticism can be one of the most powerful things to empower you to grow. So if other coaches or business owners in your space are saying, oh, well, that's really bad that you shared that, then you should probably look into that because maybe there's a reason why they're saying that. Maybe it's true. Maybe it means that you need to invest more in your education and get help to actually make you a better coach. That's something else to think about too because I remember one time I got in this massive battle. Oh my gosh, it's funny because she's a good friend of mine now. But I got in this massive battle with this one girl and like I never used to get in drama but I got dragged into this thing Oh gosh, and it was all about, it was all about supersets. <laughs> that was what it was about. It was literally about supersets. And I was saying that you do not need to do supersets in order to <laughs> apply progressive overload. And actually, you might be getting burnt out because all you're doing is supersets. I was basically uh, talking about, you know, how all the other coaches were doing all these crazy like Instagram workouts and they weren't sharing like proper scientific based workouts and then she was basically saying yeah but a lot of people want to feel like they're working out they don't want to feel like they're doing like powerlifting style training they want to get their sweat on and like I couldn't even see Mm. it because I I had my barrier up because I was in fight mode and it's like when you fight fire with fire you're just clashing Mm. against each other and you don't hear each other whereas if I'd have actually listened to her and if she'd have actually listened to me then both are true (laughs) like both are true because it's it's context yeah 100% even though the science what I was saying was true well what she was saying the psychology side was also true I wasn't seeing the psychology side and she wasn't seeing the science side and so it's funny now because like we have banter about it yeah. um that was like the one memorable thing for me because like I was just so focused on like no it has to be evidence-based it has to be evidence-based but then what about the client application okay you have to think about that too from an empathetic empathetic side um so I wish I'd have taken on board some of that feedback because I actually think I would have grown my brand way more exponentially because I would have felt like more of a safe container for a lot of people. Whereas um, my fitness content back in the day was very, um, yeah, it was always evidence-based. And like that's why a lot of people liked it. But at the same time, it it, it turned people away uh, who I could have captured from the market if I'd have um, made things maybe a bit like softer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely had that as well. Like, I've had people call me out, like, they've taken my videos and, like, done a video, like, over the top of it to be like, like, this is wrong kind of thing. And, Um, like, like, honestly, like, looking back at that, looking back at that video, like, it's not ideal. I know it wasn't ideal, but I did have, like, a better solution for it. But the solution that this girl gave was worse and I was just like okay like I don't even know like I don't even know if I need to fight this or anything like you know maybe I'll do it like another educational post and post her video over the top of my video over the top of her video or whatever but it's just it's crazy out there so it's like you can't please everyone and you know somebody's going to look at it through a different lens there are just so many different lenses that it can be looked through and your own personal experience is 
like it isn't to be discounted either. So, you know, scientific evidence, um, your own personal and professional experience and the client's values, like that's what makes up evidence-based practice. Like the research is just one component. And so I think everyone just gets really caught up in their head. Like I need to have the perfect post, the perfect content, but it might not be, it might not be perfect for someone, but it might be perfect for someone else. It's really all context. So that was a really, really great point that you made there as well. Um, I just have one final question for you before we finish up. Um, but something else that a lot of my coaches ask me is like scheduling. So when you're running a business, like how do you, cause I've had clients that have gone from literally, you know, I guess like you're the perfect person to ask because you were in the corporate nine to five going from corporate nine to five, moving into the fitness coaching realm and especially online where you don't have your set hours. How do you go about scheduling? Cause I have my own particular ways that I like to schedule. Um, but I'd love to absolutely hear yours, Lauren, cause I know you are a busy woman. <laughs> this one's tough for me because, um, I think if you're not the best person to answer the question, you just shouldn't answer the question. So I'm going to say that this for me is not something that I'm good at. Actually, I, I, I'm just not good at it. So I'm just going to say I, I, you're probably way better than me. So I'd love to hear from you what you do because I have a big team. I have a, a I have an amazing team who handle everything for me. And so this is where I think if you're really weak at that, you need to find your 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 balance, right? Um, so for me, I have Nora on my team, and then I also have Mari as well. So Nora is my COO, and then Mari is my executive assistant. And so Mari was like pissed with me that I booked this. By the way, she was like yelling at me last night, like not yelling. She was like, Lauren, what is this call on your calendar that you didn't tell me about? And like, because I didn't tell her that I was doing this. I just booked it with you because I knew that otherwise she would be like, you shouldn't be doing a podcast at that time in the morning. You're going to get tired for your calls later in the day. Because like we set, we set parameters. Like, so it's that whole concept of if you make a decision one time, then you don't ever have to make it again. So now if I take a call outside of the hours that I set, for my call scheduled, my executive assistant holds me accountable to that. So last night before I got on this, she was literally saying, you have this call at this time. And also this is going on tonight. You're going to be really tired, Lauren. Did you not think about that? And you don't have time to take a nap today because you got so much on. And so it was just funny. So I'm not good at scheduling. My <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to schedule my calendar. I, I can't do it. I hate it. I don't even like having a calendar. I like having nothing on my calendar. I like doing what I want to do when I want to do it. And I know I used to hear people say things like this and it sounds like really like selfish and weird, but it's just true. And that's the thing. I've built a business that allows me to do that. And I've also enforced accountability on myself so that I don't get burnt out. Because like what she's saying is true. Like I am going to be so tired later, but whatever, like it's worth it because I wanted to do this. Um, but yeah, that was kind of funny. So I don't know the answer to that. Hire good people. But if you can't afford to hire good people right now, then just realize like, oh my gosh, people spend so much time um, on unimportant tasks. So if right now you find yourself tweaking your website, building your logos, spending loads of hours building these Canva graphics, that's not the most important thing. Instead, what you should be doing is speaking to people and making offers and bringing in money. 
That's all you need to do. Because when you start making consistent money, then you hire people to do the things that you don't want to do. And you have to let go of control. I never used to understand this concept because I was thinking, yeah, but why would I pay someone 10 bucks an hour to do something when I can just do it? Well, because then that frees up your time so that then you can do things that you actually enjoy to do. And actually you get some of your time back in and, and I don't know, maybe go for a walk or see some people that you care about, right? Like it doesn't always have to all be business. And so, um, yeah, so <laughs> to answer your question, I don't know. Maybe someone from the audience can DM me and help me out with that. I freaking love that that was your answer because that is the exact answer that I gave. I am so bad at scheduling. Like I'm at a point where I'm like, you know, my VA is amazing. Like hiring her was like the best thing I ever did because it's like I'm working when I'm not working. But I I even like scheduling podcasts for me. Like I'm like, you know, I'm speaking to my partner. I'm like, oh man, I need to schedule more podcasts. And he's like, I'll do it for you. Like, let me do it. And I was like, can you please? Because I am so bad at it. Like, you know, we've been talking about this for ages. I've been talking about it for with people for ages. I'm like, I literally need, I need a personal assistant. Like we run these like successful like businesses and it's like, we are so bad at scheduling. But that girl that came to me, she was corporate she was corporate and she moved into online training and she asked me about scheduling and I said, girl, do what works best for you. Because for me, it's like, I'm not great at going from task to task. I have like my Monday is like my admin day. My Tuesday is my teaching day. My Wednesday is my calls day. My Thursday is like my study relax kind of day. My Friday is my check-in day. My Saturdays like uh, group group calls and stuff. So I have like a day where I'm like, I don't have much on my schedule, but it's free. So I can do like literally what I want. I can train when I want. And that's why I think we've built these businesses because like you said before, freedom is one of your biggest values. Freedom is one of my biggest values. And so being able to have that freedom to be able to choose your schedule and choose what works best for you. Like I won't take a call before 8am because like I want to do my morning schedule, set up my day, you know, have that time to myself, go get my coffee, whatever. And, you know, set myself up for the day. So it's, yeah, it's literally like that was the best answer that you could possibly give. I, I'm so glad you didn't give like a like a rigid like set structure as you got to do like your admin tasks in the morning and then in the evening you do your creative tasks oh, and whatever. God. It's literally like, yeah, just like get people to do it for you because like if that's not your strong point and if that is your strong point, like freaking great. Like, you know, run with that. Like. Yeah. It, do like play to your strengths in your business and like our strengths it sounds like is just like being the vision of where you want this to go whereas you know for someone else it's like they're very like they're I'm not detailed it's like here's like my idea how we're going to put this together kind of thing and just knowing like what you're what you're good at is is the most important thing 100% yeah I think with our like with my team and like with some of our clients who need help with this. So 
my assistant or nor um, will actually work with clients on this, like if they need help with it. Because yeah, like a lot of people do need help because if they've been in corporate, going from corporate to doing your own thing, you kind of feel really lost and you're like, is this even legal? Like, am I allowed to just be kind of doing whatever the hell I want to do whenever I want to do it? And so I'm just so innately used to it now that I always know what I need to do. Like it's very, very intuitive to me. But yeah, if we even think about us trying to schedule mm. this, like it's a nightmare because like something pops up and then this happens and that happens. It's like, you know, I get it. You get it. Because like we we get it, right? Because this is what happens when you run a business. It works. Yeah. And so that's that's the thing. But I mean, I um, I just think that you need to know what phase you're at in business because the phase that you're at really depends upon what skills you need and what things you should be spending your time on. So if you're at the beginning and like it's just you, you really just need to be doing the two vital things. That's all you need to do is serving your clients and bringing in clients, aka making money. Bring in the money mm-hmm. and then give the people the service for what they paid for. That is literally it. Everything mm-hmm. else can be paused momentarily for just a couple of months I promise you your business is not going to crumble if you don't have a website for a couple of months my website has been trash mm. trash because I got like this whole thing happened my website has been trash for years and only now are we I spent yeah go ahead go I spent ahead. two years building my first web sorry I just was gonna say I spent two years building my first website and then within the first like you know month or whatever of hiring someone to do it it was just perfect and done like exactly exactly so there we go so yeah I mean that's all I'm gonna say but um everyone needs to go and listen to the impact school podcast episode with Kayla for sure because that was a good one too and uh this has been fun we finally we finally got it done we did. We, we had like 15 minutes beforehand. We was like, you still good for this? Like, you still good for this? Uh, Lauren, thank you so much for jumping on. This has been an absolutely amazing chat. I've absolutely loved chatting with you. It's been great. Thank you so much for making the time for it as well. I know you're going to be tired later with all your other calls, but I really appreciate it. Really grateful. I think this is going to be really valuable for Everyone who's listening to the AWPG podcast, all our coaches out there, our fitness trainers, um, if you are interested in business coaching, Lauren has whatever you need. So she has her Validate program. If you're just starting, if you're looking to scale, then she's got something for you. So make sure you reach out to her or her team. So at Lauren Tickner on Instagram. There's no underscore or anything, is no, there? No, just my name. No. And then... And then at Impact School, any underscore there? Impact underscore school. Yeah. Some like Italian Impact underscore. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been trying to get that. Uh, okay. They, yeah. they won't give it to me. They don't even use it anymore. Assholes. So yeah. Impact underscore. Oh, so rude. So rude. <laughs> I know. I know. Do they not? Awesome. They, they don't want to help more entrepreneurs? Damn. <laughs> I uh, yeah, come on. Can you buy them off it? Or they, they want a lot of money for it? Well, they're Italian. And so I'm trying to talk to them, but they're just like, they're not entertaining it. I did make them a hefty offer, which was um, <coughs> a lot of money, but they, they didn't take it. <laughs> just for an Instagram handle. That's so funny. 
Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciated this. This is going to be so valuable. Um, and I look forward to working with you in the future. Yes, no, likewise. There's definitely a lot that we can do together. So I'm excited. And I'll see you in Dubai. Stay tuned. Yeah, see you in Dubai. Stay tuned. <laughs>